0: So, hey, good morning. Good to see everybody. Um, it's really, really good to be back home. Uh, if, if you um, don't you know, follow Kate or I on Instagram or something, then you may not know um, that we spent uh, a little bit of last week on vacation. Um, we went up to the mountains of New Mexico, the Sacramento Mountains, and, um, and we just needed the time to kind of get away. It was a really busy summer for us. We bought a house and we worked on it like crazy. And Kate was like really, really just involved in, in, um, in her job and young life and trying to do some awesome stuff there. And I started helping out here at the church. And so we just really needed um, a time for Kate and Lucy and I to like get away and retreat a little bit. So we did that last week in a, outside of a village called Cloudcroft, New Mexico, which is about 9,000 feet above sea level. Um, and in the air... You know, I mean you guys know this. Like when you're that high, the air is just like so crisp and it's so clean and the tap tastes like Fiji water. And it was just like such a great week out there. Um but but I'm I'm really glad to be back. We look really, really good this morning. I missed you guys. Um yeah, we look this is a good looking group. Like we should we should take a selfie, like real fast, you know, like hashtag squad goals. You know what I'm saying? So sorry, that's that's what all the young teenage girls are saying these days. I Don't ask me how I know that. It's embarrassing. I know. Um, <laughs> but I'm really glad to be back here with you guys. The next couple of weeks, we're going to talk a little bit about community. And, uh, and, and it's kind of like this. Um, we're going to be pushing small groups, community groups, next couple of weeks, getting you guys hopefully involved in that. And also just talking a little bit about what God wants us to be like in, in community. And so... And so maybe uh, it's just me, but probably not. So when I was away uh, in the mountains of New Mexico, kind of out in the wilderness, um, whether I'm, you know, like strolling through the forest or camping or like climbing a mountain, which I've done one time in my entire life, um, or maybe for you, it's just like sitting on a sandy beach or maybe if you are George or Cindy or Scott or Susan and you have this incredible backyard, maybe it's just looking out in your backyard. Wherever it is that you can kind of find like this this place of calm and peace and wilderness and you just feel like you've escaped into creation, wherever that is for you, Um, If you're anything like me, you can't help but begin to notice that your mind starts to race a little bit Maybe it's just because i'm super extroverted and I like love noise all the time But when I when I go away when I retreat somewhere and it's quiet and beautiful Like my mind just starts to race like crazy, but it races on like different things I think about like way deeper and complex questions when i'm away. Right? Not that we can't think about deep things here at home, um, but usually, like, the depth of my pondering to myself when I'm on the day to day grind here in New Brunfels there's um, questions kind of like, "Hey, what am I going to eat later?" Or is Lucy going to make a complete mess of the house and we have to clean it up again every night? Or how many push-ups do I need to do if I'm going to eat this two-tarts cupcake? Or um, you know, like, "Hey, which Netflix show should Kate and I binge-watch next? We're looking for a good one. So if you know one, let me know." Um, or like, "Is the new burger place down the street any good?" Uh, so. Actually, come to think of it, I think about food a lot when I'm here <laughs> in like my day to day, day to day grind. So that's kind of like the the complexity of the questions that I think whenever we're just in the noise, right? We're in the noise, we're in the hustle, we're in the bustle. But out in the wilderness, right in the stillness of the forest where we were, um, we were we were we were in the Lincoln National Forest out there. Um, I kept kind of just ruminating on these more difficult, these more complex. Um, questions about my purpose and my meaning and my calling and parenting. Like, parenting is so hard, and we only have one kid. Like, you guys that are like parents times two or three. Like, how in the world do you do this? Like, before before I was a parent, I was just like, yeah, you know. And now I'm like, what is happening? Like, there's it's a miracle that God gives you energy to somehow, like, take care of these little, like, destructors, okay? I love my baby, but she is in destructor mode right now. Can I pull this off? Can I break this? How, ooh, can I mess this up? Can I take this from this room and put it in this room? And it's awesome. It's, it's cool to see her mind so curious. But, man, it's just so exhausting. So I thought a lot about that, and I thought a lot about, like, economy and just, like, how we divide up resources, how we how we, you know... I need this. I have this. How can I thought a lot about kind of that kind of stuff, philosophy? Anyway, I thought a lot about these kind of like really deep questions while I was out on vacation this week with, with Kate and Lucy. And, and, and really, if I think about it, most of my questions kind of revolved around this main thought, this main question I had to God of like, what does God want me to do right now? Like, what does God want me to do right now? And, and, and even more than that, like, what does God even want me to be like right now? Like, I'm kind of like, what does God want me to do? Like, what does God want me to be like right now? And, and I don't know about you, but in my experience, which is not much, just 28 years, but in my experience of life, like, God is kind of frustrating when you talk with him. And I, I think. I think God's frustrating. I think he likes to be frustrating. I think God loves wrestling with people. You know, but but God's kind of frustrating because I'm just a simpleton. I'm a simple human and I want simple answers, right? I want sometimes like God to just give me these instant gratification specifics, like dictating, do this, do this, do X, Y, Z, um, especially about these really hard topics. But instead, um, as we all know, God kind of answers us usually with these more complex and deeper eternal truths, right that, in my experience that 's how God usually answers my questions about like what specific things. instead he answers me with this kind of more eternal truth because god 's more concerned about the overall right the meta story the meta story and so um so Yahweh this week as I was kind of wrestling with him about these things he responded um to my questions of purpose by directing me to this kind of broad but really beautiful eternal calling that was spoken through Peter um in first Peter 3 verse 8 so that's like the next two weeks we're just gonna look at one verse first Peter 3 verse 8 because it is awesome it is awesome and 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 the great thing about this this simple verse is that it's not, I don't think this verse is not just like, it's not a directive from God of like, Noel, this is what you should be like. I think this, through Peter, is a directive of like, River City Vineyard Church, this is what you should be like. Like, global body of Christ, this is what you should be like. Every living thing under creation, this is what I want you to be like right now. Like, this is the next step. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to be like. This is what I want you to embody right now. Start working on it. I love that. It's not just like he wasn't answering just for me. He, You know, God is always about trying to bring me into the collective. And so he's answering this for all of us. What does God want us to do? What does God want us to be like in this season? He wants this. Like this is what he wants for us. So, when we read this together, we can read this without a shadow of a doubt. There's no shadow of a doubt that this is what God wants us to be like. This is one of the most significant things we can do on this earth. This is one of the main purposes for our community. Okay? All right, so let's read this together. I want us to all read this together. It's real simple. Okay? Ready? Here we go. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, Love one another, be compassionate and humble. That's it. Simple, right? Let's, let's read it again, one more time, all together. You ready? Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That is the purpose for our community today, right now. So, so this is what we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks We're simply going to look at these 16 words, just 16 words. It's a command. This is God commanding us through Peter, okay? These 16 words. And we're going to break down a couple of these words um, that are a little more loaded. And and we're going to talk about what they mean for our community, okay? So this week, I want to focus on just the very first command, which is, finally, all of you be like-minded, all right? Now, There's so much in this, like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven-word command. So much. And I think this, the entire verse, this is the most difficult thing to kind of have a grasp on. Be like-minded. Because I think like-mindedness is this totally radical concept In the context of our highly individualized, like highly autonomous, like you do you, I'll do me, you know, like live and let live, um, like American idealist culture, right? Like-mindedness, it flies directly in the face of our values of like individual liberty and autonomous freedom that we champion so much in the Western world, okay? It does, And and like-mindedness certainly is the complete opposite of what I would call, like, the Western Christian church today. Okay, I think the Eastern church gets us a little more than us. um, But, like, like, the Western church... Like, like like-mindedness is something we are awful at. We're awful at it. So, for instance, if you are like me and you, like, spend way too much time on the Internet just, like, looking at Wikipedia articles or reading blogs or whatever because you're bored, um, then maybe you've read a comment section in, like, a quote-unquote Christian blog, like Patheos or Christianity of the Day or something like that. Maybe you've read an article and you were like, ooh, juicy. And then you were like, let's see what people are saying about it right and you scroll down the comment section and when you like read three comments in you realize we are not like minded <laughs> right right i remember i think it was maybe 6 or 7 years ago right there's these two kind of influential evangelical christian leaders a guy named rob bell and a guy named john piper and they're like kind of opposite ends of the christian spectrum but both in the family of of the church okay and i remember that rob bell was kind of publicly kind of wrestling with these ideas of of Jesus's, like, extent of grace and how far it extends and doesn't extend all the way even into hell. And, like, there's kind of, like, this public discourse going about it. I thought it was really healthy because it was really cool to see a leader be vulnerable with questioning kind of these things. And I remember reading this tweet from John Piper that said, Farewell, Rob Bell. Like, that was it. That was the tweet. And it was kind of like this, like, jab of, like, uh uh-oh, he went off the deep end. Like, like he's not one of us anymore. Like that, that, That's kind of what he meant by this. And it started kind of this back and forth between Rob and John. And and I'm sure they've met each other. Like, I don't know if there's some sort of, like, secret camp where all these, like, influential Christian leaders go hang out every once in a while and just laugh at the rest of us and, you know, go play golf or something. But I'm sure they know each other. And But, like, when I was just, I was seeing this, and I, I was in seminary at the time. So I didn't really... I didn't really studied like Peter or, or Paul or like their writings or epistles. I didn't really know much about like the values and the ethics of the kingdom of God yet. And and so, but even then, like with just base understanding of of like my faith and my faith journey, even then I knew that they were not being like-minded. Like they were being like antagonistic to each other. Like they were being argumentative and combative, like in public. And, and and so instead, like instead of being, you know, Two people who were examples of kind of this like-minded spirit, they were like being really, really contentious. And it kind of fit in more with the general American popular culture. It kind of fit in with what I see every day. It didn't stand out. It wasn't like really salt and light in that particular occasion. And not that they're always like that. Like John is going to be, you know, I don't know John Piper personally, but I'm sure, I'm sure that him and Jesus just are like, on this awesome radio wavelength frequency where they just understand each other, and Rob and Jesus have this incredible experience together. And so, like, if, if I could ever be, you know, anywhere far enough on my path with Jesus, as those two guys are, I'll think that, that, that Jesus has really taken me somewhere in my life. But it just goes to show that even when you're an influential kind of Christian thinker, we struggle with like-mindedness. We struggle with it. Or maybe this example will strike a little closer to home. Okay? So have you checked Facebook ever? Like in the last eight years especially. <laughs> right? Like every day on Facebook I see people claiming Christ. Who are like directly posting articles or comments or, or shared things. That are like meant to jab at each other. At different parts of Christianity. Or different parts of thinking about God. And it's just like really combative place sometimes Where people are like mean to each other. Like fellow believers are mean to each other. And I've even seen it go so far as like some people calling other believers heretics and wanting them to be kicked out of the church. And it's like this is not like-mindedness. This is not what we're called to. You know, this feels more like a political debate between two crazy candidates than it does like, you know, the body of Christ. So especially in like this online-centric world that we live in now, the Christian community today is possibly less like-minded than it's ever been. But family, we're called to something so radically different than petty arguments and fights. We're called to be this community to each other that is like, believe it or not, kind. Like kindness is one of the first things we should do, right? We should seek to understand each other before debating or challenging Right? We should love each other. We should be patient, non-argumentative. Like, we should be a community of peace. Right? These are radical concepts in our culture. So I think one of the most helpful translations, there's, there's like three or four like, pretty strong translations of this Greek word, like-minded. The Greek word for like-minded is the, trans, is the uh, word homophrone. Okay? And um, I think one of the translations that I really connect with, because of my musical background, is the word harmonious. Okay, <laughs> harmonious. Right? I love that translation of harmonious because um, when we're called to be harmonious together, it doesn't necessarily mean that we think all exactly the same thing about everything. Right, That's pretty crazy to say that God wants us to like, think every, like, the exact same way about every single tiny little detail. He didn't create us like that. Um, if, if God wanted us to be like that, he would have you know, spoken through Peter to use a word for melodious or like in unison. Okay, but harmonious means that there's like there's different layers of this Right, so when god's asking us to be harmonious what he really means is he's simply asking us to go well together That's really what it means to go well together Like to complement each other not compliment like hey girl looking good today But compliment like help, you know, like bolster each other go well together, right be be a greater whole than we are individual parts Although, you know saying hey girl, you look good today probably helps in that a little bit, you know, um, God's asking us to play well with each other so as to create a more pleasant and cohesive whole tune. Right? We don't have to be the same, but we need to be working well together to sound pleasant to the ears of the king. That's what I think he's saying by asking us to be like-minded, harmonious. So, we're going to do a little music class. So, harmony and melody aren't the same thing. Okay? Maybe you don't know this, but harmony and melody... Aren't the same thing a song with just the melody can be good it's a good song sometimes you know like it can be okay um and it can be a great song but a song that has melody and incredibly beautiful rich harmonies is just like a whole nother level it's just a whole nother level it takes this like good song and makes it a great song makes it more complete makes it more rich right makes us more beautiful so Here's what we're going to do a little bit this morning, because we're talking about music a lot, and that's silly to talk about It's So let's listen Song Is that cool? Is it cool if we just, like, listen to some music a little bit? Um, so first, we're going to listen to an unequivocally uh, cl- all-time great classic song by the band Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Okay? Any Crosby, Stills, and Nash fans? Awesome. Okay? All right? This, okay? It's called helplessly hoping and it's this incredible incredible song and and you'll probably know it because it's a classic and if you don't know it well then welcome to contemporary music history 101 my name is professor bryant and this is going to be on the final so start taking notes okay all right so just to prove my point a little bit about harmony and, and melody we're going to listen to this track what i did is i i, I took out just the guitar and, and the melody line Okay, so we're going to listen to this track, and we're going to make a judgment about the song. Okay, so it's number one, if you want to play it for me, Steve. Nope. Helplessly hoping, number one. That's later. One. It's going to be great. I've got that one <laughs> <laughs> very yes. But... Okay, let me try it with pass. Sorry. Ah. Oh, yeah, crank it up. Mmm, just enjoy. Okay, so this is just the guitar and and the melodic line. Okay, listen. All right, that's good, that's good. Okay, so let's make a judgment about that song. What do we think about it? Good, good song, right? Solid, right? Lyrics, good. Melody, good. Guitar playing, very good, right? Solid song, okay? Melody can sometimes be great. can sometimes be really solid. But let's listen to the song again, this time with all the tracks, with the harmonies added, and then let's make a judgment about the song, okay? Hit number two for me. awesome awesome all right let's make a judgment about the song with all the parts if you didn't get chills in that like there's something wrong with you and maybe like you know older folk music isn't your thing or americana or whatever genre you want to put but still like the rich harmonies <laughs> took what was once like a good a great song and made it like an all-time classic like that song is just so good and it's because, yeah, the melody is good. But more than that, like, stills and Nash on top and the third and the fifth. Sometimes they're singing the seventh. Like, wow, that's just an incredible piece of music. And, and here's the crazy thing, right? Oftentimes, harmonies don't sound so, like, pleasant like that. Oftentimes, they're clashing. Like, there's such thing as clashing harmonies. And, and, and just like in us in community, there can be clashing voices even in the midst of harmonious living. Right? We aren't going to agree on every minor detail about following Jesus. Yes, we need to agree on the basics. Right, There's a few basics. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's, there's a few things that Jesus like, directly said, this is the best way to live. But the cool thing that I'm learning about God is there's a ton of gray area. And I think he wanted it to be like that. Because God really cares about us figuring that stuff out together. Not by ourselves and then debating on who's right. But, like, coming together as a body, as a community, and saying, in this issue, which is kind of gray, like, how are we going to work this out together? Right? And in that, sometimes there's clashing voices. So, um, what we're going to do, this is going to sound maybe a little strange to some of you, but there's a tradition in the Slavic, like, Eastern European kind of traditional music. There's a ton of clashing harmonies. All right? But I still think it's just incredibly beautiful. Okay, so we're going to play the last song. It's called Pusta Mladost. All right, listen to this. thank you so that's probably a very different like musical listening experience for a lot of you okay but weren't like those harmonies kind of like hauntingly just beautiful right if you if you have a little bit of music knowledge okay a lot of their harmonies they do are minor seconds or their tritones or their minor sevenths all these things to say is they're not like traditional harmonic structures and chords they do a lot of things that kind of clash on purpose Because the message they want to get, the song, the whole of the song needs that to sound beautiful. So, you know, we got a little bit music nerdy there, but I think you get the point. I think you get the point. God isn't asking us to be the exact same person. Okay? He's asking us, despite all the gray areas in our faith journey, to together seek the best way of living. Seek the best way of following Jesus by struggling and working it out together harmoniously. That's what he's asking us. He's asking us to work together for this greater cause, this greater purpose. He's asking us to listen and to seek understanding with each other first instead of instantly thinking about your defense or how you're going to challenge and debate that theological position or that passion or the biblical validity of someone's statement about God or questioning whether that was really God saying this thing in their life experience. Okay, there's no experts in the kingdom of God. There's none, right? There are people who are farther along on the path than others, definitely. Scott has had a relationship with Jesus for much longer than I have. I can only hope and I know because I know Scott that he is farther on his path in his journey because he understands more about Jesus, right? But Scott's not an expert. There's no experts in the kingdom of God, right? Jesus wants us all to figure this stuff out together. Wherever you are in your journey, we're all heading the same direction. No one has all the answers to all the gray issues. We're just all trying to figure out this Jesus way of life together. So we need this like-mindedness, this harmonic living in our communities, because this harmony that we're called to create, right, it creates this completely countercultural dynamic of relationships inside the church community, right? And this dynamic of relationships allows us to, like, show each other grace and love and understanding as we try to figure this stuff out together, right? Christian communities should be known for their radical countercultural relationship dynamics, that focus on peace and grace and mercy and compassion and understanding and harmony and serving each other and working together instead of, right, in opposition to the highly self-centered, what can I get from you, relationship dynamics in the community that the world offers. Right? So when someone steps into a community of faith, whether it's a small group, whether it's a local church or the church body as a whole, when someone steps into that having no idea what that really means or what kind of people they now belong to, what they should experience is this refreshingly different society right? It's, it's, it's totally opposite to this competitive dog-eat-dog, dog, left versus right, liberal versus conservative, white versus minority, rich versus poor, me against the world, pull myself up by my own bootstraps because no one's going to help me, screw everyone else, individualistic, like competitive spirit that just surrounds us all the time. That's the beauty of the family of God is it's so different and it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like when we when we step into a community, a Christian community, it should be like our soul, all that torment finally finds rest. It finally finds rest. Because we're greeted with like-mindedness. We're greeted with this harmonious spirit that instead of hostile is welcoming, right? Instead of argumentative, there's people seeking to understand each other first. Instead of unsafe, it's secure and calm. And it's safe for even the most rebellious follower to enter into the conversation, to enter into the journey with Jesus, and to feel like they're wanted, like they're valued, no matter what they've gone through in the past. Now, the good news in all of this like-mindedness business is that we can't like, just decide to do this on our own. Right? If you've ever read Acts, like Acts talks a lot about the, the, the early church being of one heart and of one mind, but it always kind of qualifies that by saying that it was the work of the Holy Spirit that did that. It's always the Holy Spirit that creates this like-mindedness. So we can't just decide to be like this. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of Yahweh, works in us to become harmonious with each other. And the promise is that He's doing this in us whenever we put it into practice. That's the cool thing, I think, about the Holy Spirit of God. Is, is I, I kind of find in my experience that the Spirit loves to work in us and transform us when we actually practice together the ways of Jesus. Right? So, so to kind of end today, we're going to talk a little bit about about kind of just how we view the body of Christ. So I think the church, right, the body of Christ, this community of Jesus of followers, um, it needs to be a community of practice, first and foremost. We should be a practicing community. That's what we should be known as. So let's think of Christian community less as a place where people from different walks of life are just kind of thrown together and are supposed to learn about God together and more as like a laboratory or a studio or, or the best thing, the best word for this is like a dojo. Does anyone know what a dojo is? What's a dojo? What's a dojo? A, a what? Karate school. Okay, a dojo is a place where you learn and practice a martial art. Okay? And, and so dojo is this Japanese term that literally means place where you learn the way. That's what we're doing, right? We're trying to figure out the way of Jesus. So church should be like a dojo. And when you go into a dojo, I, now, I didn't take karate or anything. I'm not like an expert in this. But, you know, I had a lot of friends that like, you know, took their belts to elementary school and were proud of them. And so I learned a little bit about martial arts. And, and what I know is when you walk into a dojo, like you don't just sit there and the teacher like talks to you about martial arts. Right? You practice it. You have to like do it together. Right? That's what our little Christian communities should be like. We should be like a, like a Jesus dojo. And I understand the irony of it because I'm just sitting here talking to you but we're going to but we're going to end this morning by trying to practice some stuff, okay? And I would love the day where the church is more about practicing together than just learning together. Cuz I think you can learn as you practice. And I think the Holy Spirit works incredibly well whenever his people like step out and practice together. So what if our churches, our small groups, our Christian friend groups was known first and foremost as a a Jesus dojo, as a practicing community, right? Of course, we aren't going to be very good at being like-minded or patient or humble or any of these things. You don't just like, you know, you don't just walk in and break a board with your hand, right? Like whenever you're practicing karate. Like we're not going to be good at this stuff. We got to practice it together. We got to learn how to do this stuff. Right. So what if we entered this Christian community and instead of hostility and like competitiveness, we find like this freedom and safety and security and love to practice and experiment this way of Jesus together to tinker a little bit. Right. We have like space and grace to kind of figure this stuff out together. Right. And then like, we actually get better at it as the spirit works through our practicing. Right By having this safe space of the church to practice like-mindedness, to practice harmonious living, I, I really believe that the power of the Holy Spirit like, blesses that and helps us make this kind of like hard kingdom value an actual embodied living reality in our community. All right, so we're going to do that this morning in a couple of practical Jesus Dojo-like ways. Okay, So first, the first thing we're going to do is we're going to come to the table together. All right? So we have three tables over here that you can come to. And, and, and so this, this act of communion, this act of coming to the table together, what I love about it is it's this holy kingdom practice that has been with us since our very formation. This is like one of the first practices of the body of Christ, is going to the table together. And it's here at the table where we can also begin to practice together this morning like-mindedness. Right? Because it's at the table that we kind of recenter our entire being, mind, soul, body, spirit around Christ, around his life, his death, his teachings, his resurrection, and his future return. Right? We get to kind of recenter some things. We can practice like-mindedness, harmonious living by recentering our orientation on Christ. Right? So when we partake in the eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine and remembrance of Jesus and what he means to us individually, we can also experience what he means to us communally and what he means to all of human history. Right? Communion is like oftentimes thought of as an individual thing and it shouldn't be that. It's a community thing. Right? Practice is a community thing. Okay, so this morning, as we split up into smaller groups and we eat and we drink at the table together, I want us to do a couple of things. First, I want us to serve each other. Okay, so like everyone get involved in this, not just one person serving, but everyone. Everyone serve another person. Okay, so hand them the bread, hand your neighbor, your wife, your husband, your kid, um, just a friend, like someone you don't know, hand them the bread, break off a piece and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. That's kind of like a liturgical thing that we just decide is cool in the church, all right? And then hand them the cup and say, this is the one, you know, this is the blood of Christ shed for you. So serve each other in that way. Give each other the bread and the cup. And then as we continue, don't just have like, you know, your one piece of bread, but like continue eating, like continue enjoying fellowship, table fellowship and and eating of the bread and drinking of the wine. And as we, after we've served one another and we've said these things, then I want us to, to kind of ask and answer these two questions. The first one, they're really simple questions. The first one is, how have you recently encountered Jesus? Just like, in what way have you recently encountered Jesus? Okay? And the second one, like, what has Jesus been teaching you lately? Maybe through that encounter, like, experience, or just in other ways. Like, what has Jesus been teaching you? And, and I think what this is going to do is this is going to help us practice like-mindedness. Because I want you to intentionally focus on this. As people are answering these questions, you're probably going to notice that you might not totally agree with the things they say. You might be first thinking, there's no way Jesus can encounter you in that way. Mm-hmm. At a bar? Mm-mm, not my Jesus. No. No. Or like, Jesus is teaching you that? I don't think Jesus can teach anyone that. That's, right. Instead of instantly trying to defend your position, just listen. And try to seek understanding. Like, oh, okay, well, well, Jesus is teaching you that? Tell me more. Right? Practice this this harmonious living. Instead of trying to be instantly combative, try to find, try to find like the good in all of it. Okay? And then, the second thing, after communion together, I'll kind of come back up and and recenter us a little bit. Um, We're going to go back to our seats and I'm going to introduce to you, really quickly, like an imperfect, yes, it's imperfect. It's human, so it's imperfect. But, I still think it's an effective tool that the local church has for kind of um, helping us practice in its small groups, its home groups, okay? It's much easier to practice in a dojo when you have like 8, 10, 12 people practicing with you instead of the intimidation of like 75 people practicing with you. Okay, so I think um, so we're going to kind of introduce the different small groups that are happening this fall. We love and what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the leaders to kind of come up and say something about it and then spread out. And then we're just going to end by you being able to go and talk with the leaders, ask questions about it. When do you meet? What are you going to talk about? And because I I want you to kind of just have this conversation and find a place where you feel like you can step in and figure some stuff out together with people, with other people. Okay? Step in and practice a little bit. Step in and tinker. Experiment. Okay? Sounds good? So I'm going to pray for us real fast. After I pray for us, um, Brian, if you want to put on like some soft music or whatever, that's cool, and we'll go to the table, and uh, and we're going to serve each other, and we're going to answer these questions, and then I'll call us back, and we'll kind of introduce our home groups for the fall. All right? Let's pray. Jesus, um, thank you so much that um, you do give us, just like you give us um, some incredible ethics, and values of the kingdom. But you also give us, like, space to work some stuff out together. Like, you love when your people wrestle together. So, Jesus, we pray that as we begin to try and embody this idea of like-mindedness, of harmonious living, we pray that you just continue to instill in us the discipline of listening first, seeking understanding first, encouraging first, and then talking, and then speaking, and then maybe bringing up, you know, a counter-argument. Jesus, may we become better listeners, better understanders first. May we be a community that because of our like-mindedness, when people step into it, they just feel like their soul is at rest. Because it's so different than the communities of the world. Jesus, when we come to the table, and we center ourselves around you, around your life, your teachings, your proclamations of the kingdom coming, your death, your resurrection, your promise to come again. And as we talk about the ways that you've been teaching all of us individually, may we find that our mind and our heart seems more in unison than it does apart. Holy Spirit, work in us as we practice this discipline. Thank you for being here this morning with us. Help us. Amen.